Hello, I'm Sam Patterson, and this is Beyond the Hour of Code, a podcast dedicated to helping teachers use programming and creative self-expression in the learning experiences they design for their students. This is episode seven, and we're talking about lesson design in three dimensions, learning with robots. This is actually the first of several episodes about learning with robots. The idea of teaching young children by playing with robots seems both amazing and laughable. If it's funny or strange, it's only because it's difficult to imagine learning with a robot. Spoiler alert, it will not involve C-3PO lecturing your students. Yet, I have to say. Because just yesterday, the Sphero company released an add-on for the BB-8 that lets you watch movies with your robot. But that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a very kinesthetic form of group work-based learning. When we're working with young students and robots, it gives us an opportunity to transform our lessons into more interactive and more active and more play-based problem-solving style lessons. The role the robot can play in the lesson really does depend on what the robot can do. So ultimately, it's important to think a lot about the different ways you might use robots before you decide which of the available robots in the market will be best for your classroom. The selection of educational robots seems to be ever expanding. We've got some more information on the website. I'll talk some in these next few podcasts about different robots, but really the best thing to do is find a way to get your hands on or visit a classroom using some of the robots you're planning on using and make sure that they're going to be right for your students. Now, one of the easiest ways to introduce robot-based lessons is to take an existing lesson and just convert it to a robot lesson. And what I'm talking about in this lesson, in this episode today, is using the robot as a pointer. So, talk about simple ideas that can get a lot done. The control of the robot is just going to go to a space on the floor or a mat that contains the answer. So, in the most simple version, I use B-Bots with my kindergarten students and my first grade students. They're a very simple robot, just some push button controls, and they have a grid. Now every time the robot moves one space forward, you push the forward button once and hit go, it moves 15 centimeters, which is the length of the robot. So it's easy to set up a grid. You can buy grids from the company or set up your own with a laminator and some poster board. And then you Fill that grid with the content you're learning about. So early on, my kindergarten students may just take one of their sequence card games and we put the sequence cards on the mat. So they have to navigate from the first card in the sequence to the fourth card in the sequence. As we continue learning and we're learning about letters, we put letters on the mat. And any of our activities where the students are identifying letters, we convert into robot-based lessons. When we're working on math, we have numbers on the mat, and we have different things the students do off the mat to figure out which number they're going to navigate to on the mat. All of these are very simple robot as pointer lessons. Ultimately, 
what the kids are doing is not much different than, at least conceptually, than circling the right answer on a worksheet. But by taking that lesson and putting it on the floor and having a group of four students work together at it and having them use programming to move the robot from one spot to the next, you significantly change both the cognitive and social complexity of the task, which in kindergarten, first grade, these are things that we're always looking to build is students' ability to work together, to talk to each other, to navigate complex social situations. And robots are a high engagement tool. And if you have four kids working together on one robot, they are all going to want to be in control of that robot at all times. So it takes some careful work with first defining roles, active roles within a group, and then supporting those roles in order to be successful. And here's a warning. Successful doesn't mean that no one is crying. Almost every time we do something like this, one or two students is very challenged to successfully meet, say, the social learning goals we have set. And that can be upsetting to them. Oftentimes, with just a little bit of conversation, you can get them back into the lesson and working with their group. I want to talk a little bit about groups because the core of this activity really is a group work project that has one high engagement tool in the middle of it. So the students are all going to vie for that. And it's very important that when we approach group work, robots or no, we remember that as fun as we might make it, the there is no lesson that is fun enough that students are going to be able to successfully wait their turn to learn. And there's no reason they should. The classroom isn't a theme park, and we don't wait in line to learn. So... One thing I learned when I was teaching English and I had my reader response groups and my writer response groups was the more specific roles I gave the students, the more successful they were. And they understood what they should be doing at what time. And then they also had the social challenge of navigating those roles and rotating the roles. And so overall, there was a lot of good stuff that happened with that. So in our math lesson, for example, with the B-Bots, we had a student had four roles. There was the calculator who they would roll the dice or they would have a worksheet they were working on and the calculator was the first person who had to determine the correct answer for that problem. There was the verifier who checked the math problem and was available to help in the computation process. So that ends up really just being kind of a co-work position. The programmer writes and inputs the program needed to navigate the robot to the solution. Now, in kindergarten, writing the program involves putting down command cards in order that are what buttons you're going to press on the robot when you input the program. And then the programmer then inputs that program. And then the debugger follows the program it runs to discover any errors. And it's also available to assist in the programming process. And 
you have the students rotate through these roles, uh, working to budget your time so that each student gets to be in each role at least once. At the beginning of the class, we talked about what each of these roles did, and then we actually role-played each of the roles for the kids. Um, that was pretty successful. Once the students were assigned the roles and allowed to begin, they worked for about 12 minutes before we asked them to stop for reflection. And this was just a simple, what do you notice so far? Uh, you know, what questions do you have? And the students were pretty successful with that. But it is important to give them the roles. And then we actually hung pretty closely to them as they worked throughout the uh, class period. Oftentimes, one of the biggest challenges for these robot lessons is finding enough space. We typically move chairs and tables to the side in order to do it. Uh, your school might have a, an amazing robot-friendly outdoor space, but before you decide to use robots outdoors with the kids, think about some things like, are your devices protected? If you've taken iPads outside to control your robots, for example, you know, will they survive that fall? Do the robots work out there? Uh, the concrete might be too smooth. The grass might be too long. Test it out first. And are your kids conscientious? So in other words, do you have kids that will be able to work in an outdoor space and will you be able to bring them back to a focus for that moment of reflection and allow them to continue working? And there's always, you know, the gym. If you can get away with taking over the gym, that's a super fun way to use robots. Anyway, next couple episodes, we're going to be talking about the robot as an actor in lessons, the robot as an innovation engine, and even robot as constant. So there are several ways that you can kind of design lessons around this. This was really just focused on robot as pointer. What does it look like? You just put the answers on the ground and the kids navigate the robot to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Hour of Code, where teachers learn together how to use the newest programming tools to reach the highest pedagogical goals. Please review and subscribe if this podcast feeds your practice. Beyondthehourofcode.com forward slash iTunes. And check out the book, Programming in the Primary Grades, Beyond the Hour of Code, available now from Roman and Littlefield at beyondthehourofcode.com forward slash Amazon.